0: Hello everyone, hello Fleetsters. Thank you for listening to Fleeting Science. We are here today with Peter Cheng, director, producer, and cinematographer for Cuba Journey to the Heart of the Caribbean. Hello Peter. Hi Carla. And we are also here with Dr. Daria Siciliano, a marine biologist, also featured in the film. Welcome Daria. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here to talk about this wonderful film um, that is now opening here in the Haikoff Giant Dome Theater at the Fleet Science Center. So, Peter, what made you want to do a film about such a wonderful place that is Cuba?
1: Well, you know, many years ago I saw uh, two films that really inspired my desire to go to Cuba in the first place. One of them is Ben. one of us is Social Club. Good one. And uh, the other is Soy Cuba. And they both, you know, contain music and imagery that just really seduced me. Um, and, uh, you know, I finally just decided I had to go. And once I was there, I couldn't put my camera down. There's just, you know, fascinating things to see and capture around every corner.
0: Yeah, very colorful, very vibrant. Um, everything yeah. around Cuba, Havana, Santiago—all um, of the cities that are in this wonderful film—I've I've also seen. Um, one of it's the social club. I just love the music. Um, it's one of those things where I don't know if I should stand up and dance and do my own thing, or actually sit down and really watch every detail of the movie because both of the aspects of that film are just so engaging
1: (laughs) yeah the music was definitely a huge draw for me Um, and you know we we sort of used uh, some of the the Buena Vista music as uh, internal temp tracks when we were cutting together trailers and sizzle reels early on to try to get um, funding and support for the project Um, but uh, yeah there's the, the textures and the color and the light in Cuba was just, um, was amazing to me.
0: And Daria, um, what drew you to Cuba to just go there? To study? Yes. To do
2: research? Um, Yeah, so it's a good question because i before really working in cuba i spent most of my professional career in the pacific in the tropical insular pacific so i was studying a lot of the islands in the tropical pacific but because of my upbringing partial upbringing in venezuela a country that has many ties uh, with cuba and close proximity (coughs) i had visited the island Um, as I was growing up, and then when I became a marine scientist, there was a very strong curiosity about finding out what was the status, what was the health of the reefs in Cuba, because I was, you know, at that point I had moved to the United States, and, you know, from the perspective of an American marine scientist, we know a lot about many other of the very much smaller islands in the Caribbean, and uh, in the Eastern Atlantic, but we really don't know a lot about Cuba. There was this, it was kind of like a black box from the point of view of science. Um, and that's true not just for marine science, but for any type of science. So um, I had this personal interest just from growing up in the Caribbean. And then, as a professional, as a marine scientist, I really was intrigued by, you know, we don't know anything about this island, but the indication was that because of its size, Cuba is the largest yes. island in the Caribbean. And in fact, Um, It has, uh, because of its size and other factors, it has the highest biological diversity of any place in the Caribbean, so um, we knew that there was a potential, that it was very interesting from a scientific standpoint. And the other draw, so there's there's a second part to it, which is very much tied to the United States, the fact that we know that a lot of the species that uh, live in Cuba and maybe are born. Uh, And I'm talking about species of fish, or crustaceans, or the larvae of uh, many of these different marine species. They might originate in Cuba, or they might originate in southeast United States, but they have a lot of connection there's strong what we could say in science a strong biological connectivity between the two countries even though there's two those are two countries that don't talk to each other but you know marine species don't care about that they fro- flow freely from across the florida stra- uh, straits and um, they you know, cross these political borders, and they don't care about the embargo. Yes. so there is strong connections between our two countries. and as a scientist, obviously, I would want to in- investigate and to really understand how the marine communities and marine resources in Cuba, how are they managed, in what uh, status, health status are they, um, also to better manage them from a standpoint of working from, you know, the U.S. and Cuba, like working together to better manage those resources. So there's all those reasons that have drawn me A lot of to different Cuba. things. Yeah, it's yeah. personal, but, you know, very much from a professional standpoint, it was a very interesting place to work. Fascinating. I wanted to work in,
0: yeah. That is so great. That is so fascinating. So how long did you have to wait before you were able to go to Cuba, and how
2: long were you in Cuba? So I was... Um, as I mentioned, when I was even when I was working in the Pacific, I was I kept my ears and out for any projects or any way to get involved, and then that opportunity came at the end of 2012. Um, I was working; uh, I basically was invited by Fernando Bretos, who is a colleague and friend who's uh, also featured in Peter's film, and um, he he knew about my experiences in the Pacific. Um, I do know biological assessments um, across coral reefs and um, I worked a lot in um, basically uh, agreements and negotiations and policy between two countries because I worked in a lot of different countries in the Pacific so he was interested in you know my expertise in transferring to Cuba and invited me to work with him. And Fernando is one of the pioneers of American scientists or American-based scientists. is Cuban in originally by blood, um, and um, he invited me to work with him. So I've been working in Cuba since uh, the end of 2012, the beginning of 2013, um, and it's been a, an amazing um, experience. It's a f- fabulous uh, from many different standpoints. Incredibly interesting and satisfying.
0: Nice. I imagine. I can only imagine how satisfying it is to go to that place where you had been going growing up, and also reliving different kinds of experiences, not only uh, personal with your family, but now professionally and Absolutely. doing everything um, in a, a with a different lens. Exactly. So that that sounds great. And um, Peter, how long did it take you to create this film? Like, when did you start? When did you finish?
1: Yeah, uh, so technically it started in December 2014. Wow. Uh, when, you know, I decided to make that first trip to Cuba. And on that trip, you know, I, I just explored the island for about a month and uh, essentially scouted, you know, I it was, it was taking photos and shooting video, um, just uh, taking it all in and, um, shooting some time lapse as well here and there. And, uh, one of the shots from that trip ended up in the, the finished film. It's
0: oh, wow. Last, it's the
1: last shot of the film. Uh, but yeah, it's since then, um, it's been a long, um, arduous journey to, to bring it to completion. And it's, uh, so it's been about four years.
0: Almost five
1: almost five.
0: Wow five. that is that is a really long time but it I is. mean it definitely worth it looking at the imagery and um, even that time lapse that you mentioned at the end it's mm-hmm. it's very captivating. Um, thank you for doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah and you know that right after that uh, or during that trip um, things were, were announced that it was going to open up. And uh, so people were flooding in, can, you know, contractors. You know, I, I was running into people that were there to sell cranes and to bring cranes in. And so soon after that, I think on my next trip there, cranes were going up everywhere. So that was sort of the, uh, the last chance to get a clean shot of, of the cityscape uh, in Havana. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not an easy place to... To shoot um, with the challenges of the permits and visas uh, and so that's part of the reason why it's taken so long and of course you know getting uh, financing for these films is also difficult.
0: I bet. Um, so how long would it take to get like a permit to film in the city and then another you would have to do separate ones for every different thing that you want to location, shoot? Every location
1: yeah and, and subject and it was highly variable you know some cases we would get it the same day other cases it took 3 years you know like the uh, the aerial three permits 3 years um and underwater also took a long time that took you know over a year um and uh there's just there's really no rhyme or reason to to the way that permits are handled there and in some cases visas we had to wait a while as well
0: okay so what was it um Like traveling with all of this equipment and being there for such a long period of time, what was it like for you? Like what was a typical day? Like how long did it take to take all of your equipment to one location? And
1: Uh, Well, getting the equipment in was probably the biggest challenge because initially the only way to um, – there were no direct commercial flights. So we had to go on charter flights through Miami or – through, um, Panama or Mexico and, uh, dealing with, um, all of the equipment was, was, was very, you know, difficult, uh, just, you know, getting them into the country, um, and out as well. (laughs) So, uh, so that was tough. And then, you know, once we're there, um, you know, moving stuff around is, it's, uh, you know, many other countries, you just, you have a production vehicle that moves the, the crew and equipment around, um, except there, you know, we're dealing with, um, Cuban taxis and, and drivers, uh, which, you know, it's, it's a new experience in itself. Um, but yeah, the typical day was, uh, you know, um, oftentimes we were waiting for permits and, If we uh, didn't have a permit or a set uh, schedule, then we would find something else to shoot, and sometimes that would lead us down a path to another interesting subject or a location that we were interested in. And uh, so, um, yeah, we learned to improvise in in the uh, alo cubano style.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So talking about the subjects, um how did you decide which stories you were focused on? Like, how did you learn about Daria? How did you learn about um, Eusebio and Patricia? And all of the components that are right now part of the film.
1: Yeah, we did a lot of initial research uh, into different aspects of Cuba. Um, We knew we wanted uh, a science angle. And so the marine science came to the forefront and we honed in on, you know, what Daria and Fernando were doing. And, um, you know, there, were, there may have been, like, an article uh, about Jardines de la Reina that captured our imagination at the time. This was before, I think, you know, New York Times and some other kind of larger publications um, seized to the subject. But um, it seemed like a good fit for the uh, Science Museum, um, Natural History Museum, market for, you know, which is, was the intended audience for this film. So, um, so we knew we wanted that had a, you know, an idea of that, um, didn't know how we were going to do it or pull it off. But, um, and I reached out to Daria and Fernando and kind of got the ball rolling there. And then, uh, you know, the other aspects, you know, we, the architecture was something that really captured me. And I, I, I felt like, you know, I wanted to, to delve into that, and so we had a couple of options there. Um, you know, Sevio was was sort of the leading candidate at that time. Um, but again, we didn't know if we could get to him. He seemed like a very difficult person to to access. And uh, but he he you know he was obviously the the grandfather of the restoration effort, and so we had an idea of that. And then the ballet, you know, um, we looked at a couple of different cultural stories because we wanted to have you know, one story kind of underpin natural history, another one underpinning, like, you know, architecture um, and history. and history, and then another um, on the cultural side. So that was music, dance, baseball, boxing, you know, taxi drivers. Like, th- there was a big um, sort of pot there to, to choose from, and didn't know the ingredients yet. Uh, but ballet was fascinating, because I, I didn't realize that you know, they, that Cuba has the largest ballet school in the world. And um, so we just, you know, delved into it, researched it more. Um, initially we were thinking we would have a Cuban-American uh, ballerina that was from Cuba take us back and, you know, bring us on a journey there. But eventually we settled on having a, a, a Cuban baller, an aspiring Cuban ballerina, so we could tell it from the Cuban perspective.
0: Yes, and she's so graceful. So the way that she dances, even on the beach with Mm -hmm. her tennis shoes, you see that she's so graceful and poised. And it's amazing to see somebody so young and be so good at it. So thank you for showing us that. I definitely knew about um, baseball Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how um, influential it is in in all of the Caribbean islands, Um, Cuba, included um, but also in all of the islands in the Caribbean so um, I did see I did think about baseball and um, how that could fit into it but thank you for showing us also the ballet part because I had no idea about that so that is a great takeaway
1: yeah we had a baseball story that we actually scripted and pursued for a while and it was was a great story but it just in the end uh, felt a little too familiar Cause a lot of people already yes. know about baseball in and cu- and Cuba, and so we wanted to go for something a little bit more unexpected and um, just settled on, on the ba- ballet story.
0: You see, Fleetsters, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, yeah. the,
1: to the huge disappointment of some of our producers who are are, are big baseball fans. <laughs>
0: Me included. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, being here in San Diego, that's the one team that we have right now. Daria, how did your day look like? What about the equipment, the day-to-day? Um, also, I'm sure that not every single day you go and take a dive and, and are underwater with all of the reefs that are beautiful, by the way. Um, so what, what did, did that look like for you?
2: Yeah, so any scientific project that we would collaborate and work on um, has to start first with careful planning months in advance because of the same issues that Peter was talking about. And specifically, it takes months, uh, sometimes years, to get a research permit. For example, to undergo an expedition, we need. Um, obviously a research vessel and in Cuba there is a grand total of one research vessel for all of the, you know, research institutions. And guess what? It's um, fifty years old. It's way past its retirement age. It's this, you know, incredibly old. <laughs> but there's none other. So um, with, you know, Cuban scientists which are the most incredibly resilient, smart and creative scientists I've ever met in my life, um, they really it, keep it going, they keep this research vessel going because, you know, there's no replacement and so whenever anything breaks down they very much rely on colleagues like us that maybe live in uh, outside of Cuba and they're like, oh could you, could you, uh, you know, bring this part, you know, we really have to fix the, <laughs> it's called the Felipe Poi, uh, the name of the research vessel. I uh, spent many days and nights on that boat and um, I have a lot of uh, cariño, I have a lot of affection for it, Uh, even though it's uh, it's a rough boat to work on because it's so old and the space is uh, a a premium. Um, But yeah, so research permits take, you know, to get on an expedition with a research vessel takes uh, months, if not a year any kind of communication with our colleagues in Cuba requires a trip to the island because you know there's very little email and in general not much information is generally shared over email Uh, so you have to go in person you have to plan in person and then once finally you get the permit um, then you have to think about how are you going to bring all the scientific equipment into the island I mean, for to give you an example, the compressor, the dive compressor to fill uh, scuba tanks, um, broke finally. It just, oh you know, no. it was, you know, the one that we use on the boat uh, broke. So we had to figure out a way of how to get the compressor. You can't bring it on a plane, that's pretty much the only option that you have um, as you're traveling to Cuba. So we had to basically, you know, figure out this scheme where we had a private vessel that was traveling to Cuba uh, you know, privately and was willing to bring the compressor uh, to Cuba. You know, it was, that itself was like a long undertaking that took months of planning. But just as an example, everything takes a long time. In fact, when um, just one last thing about the, the challenges of bringing equipment or the time that it takes for permits, whether it be for Peter's uh, film permits or research permits when Peter first um, contacted me I was actually pregnant uh, and as you know when you're pregnant you can't scuba dive so when Peter approached me and talked about uh, the idea of doing an IMAX film about our research in Cuba and other things I was really excited and then I thought, oh no, I can't be part of it because I'm pregnant, you know, and it's like nine months, it's a long time and then of course the film happened and the the, the parts that we were shooting underwater in Jardines de la Reina, this wonderful MPA uh, that you'll see in the film. That was three years after I think my son was <laughs> I think my son was two and a half at that point. <laughs> so my initial concern about being pregnant and not being able to uh, really show my science underwater in the film that was uh, you know was no no concern actually because uh, because of the challenges of working in Cuba and everything really taking a long, long time. Um, yeah.
0: So it was a good thing that you ended up taking three <laughs> years to film because that way Daria was able to be... From my
2: perspective. ...a bigger sure. part of it. Yeah. It, no,
1: you, it was
2: difficult for many other things, of course, but at least that one... Um,
1: you learn to embrace all the upsides.
2: Yeah. And that's how Cubans, uh, very much our Cuban friends and colleagues, they learn to look at the positive always.
0: What was your uh, favorite part about doing the film, Peter?
1: Uh, just... Meeting all the Cuban people and wonderful people, um, you know, learned a lot from them in in many ways, and just their uh, community and generosity and uh, and lively spirit. Um, uh, you know, I think you know they managed to do a lot with very little in many cases, and uh, uh, I think you know also just seeing um, the the beautiful nature of the country as well and capturing that. Um, yeah, I think uh, just being able to really connect with uh, humanity in, in this part of the world and, and bringing some of it back to share with the rest of the world, I think, is my biggest takeaway.
2: Beautiful. What was your favorite part, Daria? I think... I think it's the fact that we need in science as you know if we don't have people like Peter approaching us and saying hey can I can we do a film about your research it often um ends up our research and the important things that we might find about coral reefs in Cuba they will end up being buried in some scientific journal that nobody reads that I mean only scientists like me will read but the The thing about being involved in a in a production like this, first of all, just learning how the whole process works. it's fascinating. I had no idea um and uh you know working with talented people like peter and pete zucarini um underwater
1: d p yeah peter cinematographer the
2: underwater. underwater cinematographer um, so just that aspect is super interesting, but really knowing that. This will shine a light on our research and the fact that it's a much, much, much greater audience that we would never reach by just writing our scientific reports, which is what we're tasked to do as scientists. So having people like Peter shine a light on our research will benefit the coral reef ecosystems of Cuba you know, a million or a billion times more than you know, any report that we might write and bury in some scientific literature.
0: So this is your only um, film that you've been a part of?
2: Um, it's definitely uh, the only hi- IMAX film. I've been part of a documentary um, in the Northwestern Hawaiian Islands. I mean, this is by far the, the production that where our, my research has been a central part of it. Yeah, yeah This has been a lot more involved than some other features of my research elsewhere, sure
0: beautiful was it weird seeing yourself on film since you saw it yesterday in the dome theater here at the fleet um for the sneak peek preview um was it weird seeing yourself
2: on um, film yeah i mean on a such a huge screen uh domed yeah that was a first it was great um it was just also like you know, just knowing, you know what what it was like when it was underwater, and uh, you know, just imagining that, you know, that would one day be projected. But yeah, you don't know until you you see it on a big screen. So it, it was exciting.
0: It's like that saying, "Recordar es vivir," so mm-hmm. remembering is
2: living through it again. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, exactly. So a lot of the memories from the the shoot in Jardines de la Reina. Um, yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. Just you know, and you don't see it when you project when it's finally projected on the how screen. Big was but team? I mean, there how were many so many of us. How much it take? How much um, of a village on that does
1: it it boat a village. <laughs> filming? And, uh, and, um, yeah, it. How big was you know, the team? We have transportation. We have team? catering. We have uh, um, on the boat know, boat local or. producers yes. and yes. fixers yes. and coordinators, boat. and then we have our our foreign crew that we fly in as well. Camera operators assistants um producers director so it yeah it it all adds up and um you know depending on the shoot in some cases we were larger in other cases smaller and we also had um second units that were very uh compact and mobile and they would go off and shoot something in the countryside or like a rodeo here or a, a farmer there you know so
0: And through this whole time, did you only stay in Cuba or were you come and go and come and go? We were
1: coming and going because, you know, often we had to, you know, the visas are limited and um, we would be waiting for visas and permits. And, um, you know, we couldn't always just be like, you know, hanging out in Cuba and waiting for that, waiting for stuff to happen. So and some some things were seasonal as well, Um, like Jardines, for example, uh, there are certain times when it's best to film there and in the end you know we couldn't be that choosy but um there's definitely some times where you don't want to film there and uh so it you know it was case to case like you know when is it going to happen i mean the ballet competition was happening at a fixed time so we knew we had to be there
0: yeah, one of my favorite parts of um, the film was one of the time-lapse that you did underwater for the reefs. It's just amazing. I never knew that they could look so colorful and how much they moved. So thank you <laughs> for yeah, that. Yes. You're going to have to see that, fleetsters. Um, very, very interesting and amazing and vibrant um, to see how these reefs actually come to life. Um, if you take the time to really notice um so what do you hope that people take away from this film
1: well i hope that they are inspired to uh visit cuba and get to know the people there and and the place and explore it on their own because um, there's a lot to see you know and experience you know beyond the film you know this is just the tip of the iceberg and um there's so many aspects of, uh, Cuban culture and, and the natural history that we wanted to include in the film and could not. Uh, uh and so, um, uh, yeah, just, um, get to know thy neighbor. I think it's, it's a great, uh, great place for, for people to, to see.
0: What about you, Daria? What do you feel, what do you want people to take away from Um, seeing you out there and being part of such an amazing project that this film was.
2: A couple of things, similarly to what Peter said, I would love for people to just be inspired by nature and want to visit these places and once you get to know them, you will I know, I'm positive that you will want to contribute to protecting them and making sure that they will be there for the next generation which right now is, you know as, as you might know, it's it's um it's a it's a challenge. we don't know how long reefs will be around, and some scientific estimates give it a timeline of maybe fifty years if we continue um, you know with co2 emissions and the changing climate and a lot of the other effects that um, really um, are degrading reefs so on a worldwide scale so um yeah, we want to make sure that people see this and are inspired and really make an effort to get to know their marine environments. Certainly, if you can travel to Cuba, go visit, um, go underwater, don't just stay in Havana perhaps, but just look at their amazing underwater riches. Um, and so you you might be inspired to do something to protect. Um, and the other thing that I would like anybody to see this, to take away is um, the fact that this, the production, the film production, as well as the science, could not have been possible if we don't collaborate with our uh, wonderful neighbors to the south. So collaboration, let's build bridges rather than uh, make walls,
0: right? Great message. Um, So there you have it, Fleetsters. Cuba Journey to the Heart of the Caribbean opens um, Friday, November 15, here at the Fleet Science Center. Um, Hope you have a chance to come and see it. We really encourage you to see it. And um, thank you so much. We'll see you on the next Fleeting Science
1: Podcast.